Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're going to break down the Ravens 47-42 victory over the Browns, you know, the front runner for game of the year at this point, and also go over some key waiver wire claims for those of you that are lucky enough to still be alive in the fantasy football playoffs. Week 15, already here, absolutely crazy, and it did take us, you know, till the end of week 14 to get, again, in my mind, the best game of the year to this point. So as I said, Ravens 47, Browns 42. If you had a Browns, plus three and a half ticket. I am so sorry for your loss right now because this was a three-point game thanks to a freaking rocket from Justin Tucker to win at the end, I believe, 55 yards. And then the last play of the game, the Browns had an unfortunate safety to provide one of the worst bad beats you will ever see out there. But going through just the game from, from uh, just more macro level, I mean, it was just one rushing touchdown after another in the first half, and no one could build a big lead. And we went in at 21-14 with the Ravens having the advantage, you know, Lamar Jackson, two first-half rushing touchdowns. They just had a problem getting him to the ground all night long. And, you know, we saw the usual design stuff, but it was really just Lamar being an athlete on a lot of those scrambles. And, you know, we saw that impact the way that the Browns were able to play coverage as well. So one of those things with uh, running quarterbacks where, yeah, like they don't really face the same sort of uh, just consistent I guess just, you know, 11 defenders focusing on the pass because they got to worry about the run. That's not a detriment to the quarterback. That's just an added advantage of what they bring to the table because they so because they are that good on the ground. But as I said, Lamar, two first half rushing touchdowns. Nick Chubb also had uh, two first half rushing scores. Kareem Hunt kind of took over in the second half. It seemed like it might be getting away for a little bit. Uh, Ravens were able to score uh, and get up by two touchdowns in the third quarter. But then Lamar Jackson had to go to the locker room. It cramps. A whole lot of people on Twitter were wondering if it was more of a poop issue. Paul Pierce, you know, throwback to the the wheelchair game and all that whatever it was it did take Lamar Jackson out of the game and the Browns took the chance to roar right back into it so down 34 to 20 going in the fourth quarter Baker took him down converted two fourth downs the second of which was a nice uh, touchdown pass 21 yards to Richard Higgins after Marcus Peters has fell down and the next drive Baker caps off with a touchdown run on his own so really seemed like the Browns you know after getting that one point lead would have a chance to just really just have maybe their marquee win of the entire definitely their marquee win of the entire season no Trace McSworley have been out there injures his look like he injures knee pretty bad non-contact issue Lamar Jackson takes off his Superman you know business suit comes out of the locker room goes out fourth and five hits Marquise Brown for a 44 yard score rolling out to his right after the defenders had come up some might argue there's an illegal pick thrown in there as well but clearly people are worried about Lamar taking off on a scramble and Marquise was able to get behind him and go score but not so fast my friend as uh, mid-2000s video game Lee Corso would say Browns go right back down the field four plays 75 yards baker just making one quick strike after another against a defense that by this point, you know, didn't have Jimmy Smith. They had another cornerback get hurt. Marcus Peters was playing banged up. Whatever. Credit to Baker for moving the offense all game long, not taking away anything from him, but just 47 seconds for a touchdown. Then Lamar takes him right back downfield for the 55-yard game-winning t- uh, kick from Justin Tucker. So, again, absolutely wild game and just a great job by everyone around. This game could have easily gone to Baker uh, and company. Could have easily gone to Lamar. And, you know, it was a situation where I was surprised to see uh, Baker really keep them, them in this as much and kind of going more into – the specific players in this one, like Baker, had some great throws. I mean, 37 yards to Donovan Peoples-Jones on a deep flag route early on. I mean, his his throw at the end of the first half on a Hail Mary, which no one had a chance to catch, but 70 yards out the back of the end zone. This dude has a bazooka for a right arm. We saw that on several occasions in this one. So not perfect. You know, 28 for 47. He threw a pick that ended up being, uh, you know, easy one-yard touchdown was nearly a pick six that, you know, just pretty much tried to throw it past the guy in the flat and didn't get there. So certainly had some issues, but 
But again, mentioned nice touchdowns to Higgins. He ran one in and marched him back down the field at the end. Baker Mayfield gave the Browns every chance to win in this one. And, you know, he's getting to the point where he's, you know, getting more volume than we were at least seeing in the past. I really think those three games they had in Cleveland, uh, I believe in weeks like 9 through 11 or something like that. I mean, it was one after another just brutal uh, weather just every single week. Texans, Raiders, and there was one more of those. And I think maybe that's flawed some of what we've seen here. And hey, you know, they did have 48 passes and 28 rush attempts. Usually we'll see Chubb and even Kareem Hunt get closer to 20. So I think it was more of an issue with them coming back a uh, negative game script. But either way, I mean, this was by far Baker's toughest opponent that he had uh, you know, a really good game against them. I mean, before it was the Bengals, the Jaguars, and the Titans, all of which are pretty awful secondaries. Ravens make life tough on everybody with the amount of blitzes and stuff they can send out of QB. So, truly credit to Baker. His third straight game that I think everyone has to call good no matter what. And the Browns, I mean, they're still, still sitting on 9-4. and four, So, anytime we got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt out there able to make their things, you know, just on a weekly basis on the ground. Chubb had 82 yards and two scores. And this one, Hunt had 33 yards and a touchdown. Then also, 77 yards and a receiving touchdown. I mean, just truly two touchdowns top 10 real life backs that have coincided as two top 10 fantasy backs for many weeks this year so Chubb's obviously still going to be the one the fantasy playoffs we feel the best about but Kareem Hunt certainly going to be in that top 24 in week 15 and beyond uh Donovan Peoples-Jones he looks good out there. Like he, they're using him as their kind of field stretching option. You know, just with OBJ out of the picture, he has slid now into three wide receiver sets alongside Richard Higgins and uh, Jarvis Landry. But I know he was someone that didn't exactly get a lot of love coming out of the class and was a sixth round pick. But you know, one week after another, where we see this dude making some pretty big uh, plays out there. So, so he had 74 yards. Morton Higgins, who was at 68. Landry, 52. I mean, look, the Browns, Baker, you know, air raid quarterback. He's down to kind of spread it around. But I have been impressed with some of the, uh, you know, just the routes, especially last week. I mean, Peoples Jones dropped a really easy touchdown and then hit a double move for a long score that was just absolutely filthy so credit to him for making some big plays uh, throughout the season with his opportunities yeah I mentioned Kareem Hunt's big game that pretty much does it for the Browns oh David Njoku probably should have had a touchdown he had a decent enough game three catches 45 yards but Baker did have a beautiful lop into the end zone that hit his hands a little high but you know you're getting paid millions of dollars to play football you would like them to make the catch uh, when it hits you in the hand so again great game from Baker Mayfield and company you score 42 points you expect to win the football game this was not on baker you could say it was on the browns defense because you give up 47 points how are you going to expect to win uh, all that often so they just could not stop the run and guess what i mean we saw the cowboys last week and pretty much any defense that faced the ravens in 2019 very hard rushing offensive stop when things were going right and we just almost didn't even see lamar look to throw for large portions of this game. He ended up going 11 for 17, only 163 yards and a touchdown. Again, he made the big plays. You know, Marquise Brown, long one. He had another crazy play to Mark Andrews for 39 yards where he uh, freaking dodged like three defenders in the pocket, rolled out and was able to hit him down the field. But nothing was easy when they were just throwing from the pocket. It wasn't all in Lamar. Marquise Brown dropped, I believe, three passes before he ended up having the 44-yard uh, score at the end to, to, you know, take the lead uh, almost once and for all. But, you know, just it was another game where we just did not see any consistent rhyme or reason this passing game and look Mark Andrews we all know he's a great tight end but can we please get Lamar Jackson a legit number one wide receiver we've seen Baker get OBJ whether that's not worked whether that's worked out or not you know they at least tried to make that investment Obviously, Stephon Diggs has made Josh Allen look like a brand-new quarterback. And, uh, uh, oh, yeah, you know, Kyler Murray getting DeAndre Hopkins. Like, most of these young quarterbacks have seen their team really try and make an investment to get them some higher-end talent at wide receiver. I realize the Ravens drafted Hollywood Brown to be that guy, but I think it's pretty clear at this point he's going to be better off as, you know, a field-stretching wide receiver, too. Would love to see Baltimore get Lamar a true uh, wide receiver one before we were too harsh about his ability as a passer. But, obviously, uh, it's still, you know, uh, just we have a ways to go before this Ravens passing him anything. 
anything resembling you know a consistent high-end unit but this rushing attack Lamar 124 yards two scores and nine carries J.K. Dobbins had a uh, 53 yards in a score on 13 carries even Gus Edwards 49 yards and two touchdowns so even though you know we're always talking on the old Twitter sphere about how great J.K. Dobbins is, and he really is awesome. You look at yards after contact, and this is a this is jump cutting abilities like early, uh, you know, early mid 2000s, I guess it's mid 2000s, uh, shady esque, and just some of the things he used to do with the Eagles. Uh, I've always loved that part about Dobbins, but yeah, I mean, it was still a situation where it was Dobbins and Edwards, but luckily, everybody, we did see Mark Ingram take a complete backseat because Dobbins, unofficial snap stats, but 30 total snaps. Gus Edwards at 15, Justice Hill 5, Mark Ingram 1. So as long as this stays a two RB backfield, which it looks like it is at this point yeah we can actually fire up jk dobbins and gus edwards as legit low end rb2s with the way this ravens offense is now finally starting to pick up and score some points so you know we kind of knew this ending stretch was going to be fine for lamar it wasn't necessarily uh this game that we were feeling too good about but we look at week 15 against the jacksonville jaguars for the ravens i mean lamar and company that we putting up all sorts of points in that one so browns are also a team where we're looking at their end of season schedule and they can finish pretty hot as well they have the uh, giants next week which I understand, you know, underrated defense, or I guess they're properly rated at this point, but solid defense. But week 16, we got the New York football Jets at, uh, you know, in, in New York, but it doesn't matter. In my opinion, Brown should be able to smash in that one. Any other notes here? Uh, yeah, hope Trace McSworley is okay with that knee issue. And only other thing, Mark Andrews, oh man, she's alert there. He had a potential 48-yard touchdown down the seam that Lamar just sailed on him. We've seen Lamar miss some of these balls throughout the year, but this one was particularly bad. I mean, Willie Sneed had a chance uh, to play before to catch one down the seam, but that was a little bit tighter coverage. The miss to Andrews was pretty brutal. So again, game of the year to this point, and credit to both the Browns and the Ravens for supplying that one and making it one hell of a Monday night. Right. I want to go over some quick waiver wire thoughts. Make sure you check out PFF.com this week, and there'll be more uh, specific waiver wire uh, just action. And then also my QB ranks article goes up on Tuesday, my running back article Wednesday, wide receiver cornerback on Thursday. So you can pretty much see all my thoughts on individual players in those. But without further ado, let's check out some waiver wire goodness. Uh, first situation to monitor is the Miami Dolphins because there are just so many injuries going on everywhere. And I really thought Tua even before this week. I mean, we all know he played great against the Chiefs, you know, keeping them in that game. But last week was his best game of the season. And, you know, even, even two weeks ago was his best, best game of the season at that point. And then against the Chiefs, obviously, that's now his best game. But, you know, in that matchup, like, to look at the people that were surrounding him at this point. I mean, they were down their number four running back with Miles Gaskin, Matt Breida, and Salvin Ahmed on the, you know, if not injured reserve list, at least inactive. We lost Devontae Parker, Jakeen Grant, and Mike Jacecki midway through the game. And they were starting three rookies across the offense line to begin with number two wide receiver Preston Williams has been out since week nine I mean the Dolphins never really had anyone's idea of a super talented skill position corpse to begin with and now the way they're at I mean it's hardly a fancy friendly environment for Tua so that's kind of my main point here with these Dolphins I don't want to overreact to what we saw in that Chiefs game and comeback mode like yeah it was great Tua made some awesome plays but you know like one of those touchdowns down the seam probably should have been intercepted and we do have you know a lot more evidence this year that when the Dolphins are able to get up and play with the lead they don't want to put Tua in a position to uh, you know throw the ball too often and as great as he is as a rusher or just not as great he's not Jalen Hurts or anything like that but as much as he can do you know athletically sometimes he's only had two games where he's really given us anything of a fancy friendly rushing floor so he's really content to throw first as he should be he's a quarterback but and 
fantasy land, we do want guys that are going to, uh, you know, just be taken off and running a little bit more. So really low game total, just 41 and a half. Look, Tua dealing with the top th- top three drop rate. All of his weapons are hurt. Just not a situation I'm looking to actively get behind as a streamer. And then with these running backs, I mean, DeAndre Washington, look, he played a uh, 39 snaps last week, but Patrick Laird was right there at, you know, 42 in his own right. So I think it was more because of the negative game script, but it's not like DeAndre Washington just owns this backfield. He's losing plenty of work to Patrick Laird, and we got, you know, a backup running back Malcolm Perry playing a bunch of snaps just out wide. We got Lim Bowden, who is eligible on Yahoo and ESPN as both a wide receiver and RB, I believe. And we got him uh, playing just a few running back snaps, mostly wide receiver stuff, but they have a lot of guys around the formation that are comfortable uh, catching the ball and running the ball, and I just feel like, you know, Washington, again, their number four back at this point, you know, it just wouldn't be shocking if they try to make some switch up uh, next week and uh, just moving on. Because, again, when we're talking about number four running back, things are hardly cemented. So if nothing changes, if no one gets healthy before this Patriots game, we just saw Cam Akers go off against them. I'd be uh, willing to treat, you know, Washington as, you know, this upside RB3. But again, let's just try to avoid this game. I don't think it's going to be very fantasy friendly at all. And, uh, you know, just Lim Bowden, DeAndre Washington, Tua, these aren't the guys we want to be starting with the fantasy playoffs on the line, people. So if you got to do it, I do think Bowden, you know, coming out of the slot, Patriots have allowed the 10th most yards per attempt, 7th highest explosive pass play rate, two targets lined up in the slot. Like, I get it. Bowden, Washington, like, they're not the worst dart throws, but again, let's just not expect too much out of this Dolphins offense in its current state. One offense we can feel a little bit better about is the Houston Texans as long as Deshaun Watson continues to have a pulse because, look, we have Chad Hansen, five catches, 101 yards, and then seven catches, 56 yards with seven targets per game over the past two weeks. Kiki Cootie had eight catches for 141 yards two weeks ago, three catches for 24 yards and a score on 12 total targets. So, I mean, look, both these guys have been on top of the depth chart. We've got Stephen Mitchell, you know, something named Stephen Mitchell out there running some routes as well, but it's Hansen and Cootie at the top of Deshaun Watson's pecking order, and I realize that Week 15 versus the Colts isn't amazing, but it's a winnable matchup. These are guys that you can look at as, you know, maybe just boomer bust or upside wide receiver threes. The real time to shine those week 16 uh, versus the Bengals. And that's the one point I want to make here because, again, we're only dealing with two weeks now. We got to live in the moment, not worry about, you know, the super long term, obviously, because the long term is now literally two weeks for redraft leagues. So look at week 16, people, at the three defenses we want to target Bengals, Jaguars, and Jets. Texans play the Bengals. Bears play the Jaguars. Browns play the Jets. So, Chudy, if you have if you have extra room on the fantasy football bench, Kiki Cutie and Chad Hansen, Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, Rashard Higgins, even Donovan Peoples-Jones, and if Hooper stays out, David Njoku, these are all super viable Week 16 guys that I'm going to be talking about on the show next week. So, if you want to get ahead of that, again, we've got the Texans playing the Bengals, Bears playing Jaguars, Browns playing the Jets. If you're going to have to, you know, fire up someone in a flex that you're not feeling good about, might as well try to target one of the three worst defenses in the league. Broncos wide receivers Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler also kind of fall into this group. I mean, they got the Bills this week, Chargers next week. They're reasonable enough matchups. Tim Patrick especially. I mean, he has 100 yards and or a touchdown. Seven of his last nine games with a non-practice squad QB at wide or non-practice squad wide receiver at QB. So we're not counting any stats from that one atrocity that we saw against uh, the Saints a few weeks ago. But also credit to KJ Hamler. I mean, he wasn't creating too many big plays uh, kind of as he's been starting throughout the year. But last week, you know, two catches, two touchdowns. Jerry Judy just 
hasn't been featured ahead of these guys. He's out there, but really any of these guys. I mean, Drew Locke, the guy loves throwing downfield, uh, top five quarterback in, in big time throw rate, bottom two, bottom three quarterback in turnover worthy play rate. So we see a lot of good and bad. At a minimum, these guys have a higher ceiling than you know if we had a less aggressive quarterback under center. Uh, just two more situations to talk about. Irv Smith, I think this is a little bit of a trap play. He had four catches for uh, 63 yards and a touchdown last week. He ran routes on just seven of 49 of Kirk Cousins' dropbacks. So that's rough. So if Kyle Rudolph stays sideline with his foot injury, I think Irv Smith can be you know a touchdown dependent tight end too. He's very talented, but you know we even heard rumors before the game that he was going to play limited snaps. That was the case. And again, it's not even a situation where uh, you know he's out there for a ton of the routes. They're just only using him in passing situations. Again, only 17 of 49 dropbacks. That's going to be rough. So if he's out there and we get some assurance, maybe he practices in full all throughout this week. Okay, then we can get him in that top 15. But otherwise, I would try to find another option. Finally, I want to talk about Jalen Hurts. And hey, we said on this podcast last week, get Jalen Hurts for week 15 against the Cardinals and for week 16 against the Cowboys. So, you know, on me for not, I guess, realizing that just he was going to have 18 freaking carries in that last game. I just thought the Saints, you know, being the number one defense against running backs would probably be a rough matchup for a quarterback that we're essentially would be playing as a running back. But either way, hopefully he picked up Hurts because we can truly treat him as a top 10 fantasy football quarterback in week 15 and 16. PFF's own Seth Galina has an awesome breakdown on pff.com you should check out about Jalen Hurst's first start but Seth's main three takeaways were that one Eagles supporting cast on offense and defense put forward their best game of the year two Hurts didn't make much happen as a passer still has a lot to prove in that department three Hurts brought some newfound rushing goodness to the equation and picked up first down after first down on scrambles really all throughout this game 106 rushing yards tied for the second highest mark of a QB of the season by a QB and he also had 18 rush attempts that's the highest mark by a QB all season so only four of his 18 rushes were on scrambles I mean again I, I know I mentioned before we kept picking up the first downs on the scrambles but you know last year like Gardner Minshew was like top five in rushing yards and a real easy this way to see that I was going to regress a little bit was because all of it was on scramble. So when we see someone like Hertz, like Lamar, like Kyler, that actually get a good chunk of design rush attempts as well, we know that floor is going to be even better. So the Cardinals have allowed the fifth most rushing yards per game to opposing QBs. Start Jalen Hurts with confidence, even if we still need to find out what he has as a passer. His rushing upside is already fantasy QB one worthy people. So it doesn't necessarily reflect uh, real life as much as we might want fantasy to sometimes, but it does not matter in this case. Start Jalen Hurts with confidence against the Cardinals and Cowboys alike. That's good to do, everybody. Thank you as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Got a game by game breakdown coming on the Wednesday edition of the pod, and then we'll have uh, you know a new guest, uh, Peter Overset, on Thursday. Ten questions with him. Friday, going to be breaking down the uh, Thursday night game and going over some injuries to watch ahead of the weekend. Then we'll be right back here Monday breaking down the games again. So thank you as always for tuning in. I'm Ian Hardis, and until next time, take care, everybody.